because you've got good taste. <laughs> oh, hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Only because it feels like home, yeah? We've been coming here, I don't know how many years Mark and I have been. And Mark is so spewing that he's not here. He was so excited to come. And um, he's been very unwell. He's actually been sick um, all night long. Started yesterday and yesterday afternoon I wasn't home. And he's just been not well. And so he's like, I really want to come. But I'm like, I don't think you should. And so, um, yeah, but he sends love to everybody. And we love you guys because of... It's amazing how God um, just connects people, yeah? And so we have just a, yeah, it just feels like home and I can just be myself and so probably put a bit of footy mouth, which I tend to do. Just so you know, I'm Andrew, I'm an Andrew. So I'm an Andrew, except I don't cry as much. (laughs) But otherwise, I'm totally sanguine, totally glass half full kind of a girl, yeah? We're full of... Um, expectation and faith, but yeah, I just don't cry as much. So he's a bit of a sook. Yep. That's why him and my husband get along, but no, all good. All good. We love sensitive men. Um, don't we? Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right. Um, I just want to say, your worship has gone to another level this year. I don't know what's happened, but you guys are amazing. Your worship has been really, yeah, hitting another level. So good on the worship team. Um, Emmy, is she here? No, she must have. She's gone, oh, I'll wait till she gets back. And Jemima, hi, Jemima. Love you. <laughs> She's awesome. Jemima, just quickly, I feel, go- are you staying in or going out? Oh, in, awesome. Because I, ha- I had a word, well, and I just feel that God was saying that um, from that you're sometimes being a little bit unsure, like, where is my place? What am I supposed to be doing? A little bit unsettled in whatever's going on in life. But God says all the promises that he gave you, all those things of your heart, that you've always been seeking God, that God's saying they they are coming to fruition. They may look slightly different because that's how God does, but not to give up on those things because they're coming to pass. And so your heart still to serve and worship God and to give everything over to him. He sees it, he acknowledges, he loves it, but um, just to keep holding on, yeah? So awesome. Um, Terry, God says you have been faithful and you have seen the faithfulness of God many times in your life. And he's still saying, as you remain faithful, he will continue to show more favour and more faithfulness towards back to you. So don't give up, yeah? You've, been, you've seen the goodness of God. I've heard your testimonies of the favour of God. He hasn't forgotten. He's faithful. He's true. He's a sure anchor, yeah? So keep holding on, brother. And when M gets back, I'll have a word for her. And if not, I will, no, don't worry about it. I can tell her later. I can tell. Here she is. Come on in. I just have a word. Just God saying that wherever you're planted. Are you at uni? Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, that God is going to use you to bring others to the Lord. But just by you being yourself, just sharing, this is who I am. People are going to ask, oh, something about you. You're not going to be this evangelist. You don't have to be out on the streets doing all this other stuff. Just be who you are. And God's going to actually bring somebody. He's going to start opening these small opportunities where you're just going to have, and you're going to have a bit of a crisis of faith going, do I say it? Don't I? Do I say that or don't I? Cross that chicken line and just say something very simple like, oh, yeah, well, I'm, and you watch, God's just going to open up these doors of opportunities to actually bring others to the Lord. Just by you being yourself. Because they, they see, the world sees something in you. Your friends see something. They don't know what it is. And they don't know that they need it, but they do. But they will say, so anyway, just keep an eye open for those opportunities. So um, anyway, who in this room is a half person Half kind, you know, where you look at the glass and you go, that's half full. There are a few of us, yay. <laughs> okay, that's me, normally. Half kind of a full kind of a girl. Oops, dropping everything. Um, so I normally, I don't get depressed. I don't get anxious normally. I'm the half kind of full most of the time. And... 
things sometimes take a turn, yeah? The great thing that I love about these guys and with God, you know, this is my third message this week, Andrew, so if you want me back, I can come two more times because this is my third message. On Sunday, God gave me a message and then on Monday, he changed. He goes, no, that's not it. Then on Thursday, I did another message and then last, yesterday, God goes, that's not the message. So this is a brand new one today. So I've got, so I don't know why God changed it, but after hearing you this morning, I totally know why he wants it. And the thing that I love is that with pastors like Mel and Andrew, because we've been journeying and we know them, so we're not just people who sort of like, oh, yeah, I heard that they're pretty cool. Let's just, yeah, we're actually in relationship together. I know that God only gets us to speak, and this is for me, only, oftentimes I'm preaching for myself, something that I'm actually living through, walking through, so it's not, oh, yeah, something that we read in a book and that sounds really good to share, or as in some denominations where they have to stick to a certain passage because everyone's doing the same thing. No, and so this is fresh from last night. <laughs> so 2019, who, who, remembers, who remembers where they were on New Year's Eve? Yep, you remember? Some of you do, some of it goes so far along, it's not that long ago, but anyway. <laughs> we all got foggy brain, COVID brain, hey? But 2019, I was at my brother's house on a farm. He lives up in Sunbury on this massive hill, gorgeous property, and I was looking over Melbourne, and there were fireworks, and you could see like Williamstown, Melbourne, you know, like you can see just all these, um, it's this amazing view that I saw, and it was 2019, we're about to hit 2020, and I'm with Mark and going, this year's going to be amazing, I'm so excited, because it's a brand new decade, 2020 just looks good on paper, you know, the number, and it's going to be an amazing year, and I was so full of joy and excitement of all the things that, full of anticipation, full of hope, all the things that God had promised us are going to come to pass, breakthroughs happening, yeah, this is, I'm so excited for 2020. And then March comes, and what happens in March? We go into lockdown, yeah? I remember the last Sunday, we, would go, we went into lockdown, and we're driving home going, this is the last, because we went into lockdown on Sunday night, yeah? Monday. And I remember driving home from church, and I'm saying to Mark, oh, this is going to be two weeks. <laughs> like, lockdown for two weeks, totally fine. Like, we'll be, yeah? And all of a sudden, he dragged on to two months, six months, and now it seems like it's been two years and it still feels like we're in this really weird place, yeah? And so back, if you ask me, New Year's Eve, how much hope I had, how, how hope-filled I was, I would have said I was about a nine, yeah, because things were going well. Yeah, interest rates were low, we were saving money to go on a holiday, kids are doing well, church is doing reasonably well, yeah? Like, things are going good. So I'm excited. I'm a nine. Ask me now what I am. <laughs> I'm not a nine anymore. I am not a nine anymore. <laughs> so it depends on the day. There are some days I'm a four, some days I'm a six, some days I'm a five, and some days I'm like, Lord, I don't see any hope. I'm struggling with hope, yeah? And yet that is not who we are. Yeah, that is not who we are. You know, one thing though, as women, where I think sometimes we may have a bit of an upper hand. Men are amazing. We love men. They carry a great anointing. There's a lot of great stuff. But one thing that I think women maybe might have a slightly upper hand is that we carry hope inside us. <laughs> In the sense that... Um, you know, there are women who are in terrible situations. You know, I was speaking to a girl who um, has just recently started being abused by her boyfriend. She's living with her boyfriend. And this is a girl who was very, never imagined it, yeah, until she comes with bruises. And you're like, what's going on? Oh, no, no, it's not him. It's not his fault. You don't know him. I'm like, if I see it again, I'm calling the cops, yeah? No, but you don't know him. He's really not like that. Until uh, last week where he put a knife to her throat. And, but he's still not like that. Why? Because she sees, she's hopeful that the guy that she started dating a year ago, he was nice and sweet and, you know, bringing her flowers, that he's still there. My brother-in-law, Stephen, <clears throat> so years ago, 20 years ago, so he's been a drug addict and a functioning alcoholic for 20 years. Yeah. I know, Mark's brother, chalk and cheese, really weird, but anyway. Um, so 20 years ago, his wife cheats on him. 
he spirals out of control, his hope is found in a bottle of scotch and he drinks a bottle every day. Yeah, totally functions, he can walk, you wouldn't think, and I'm like, dude, things start going out of control, spiraling out of control. Eventually, what happens once you mix alcohol with drugs, eventually that's not, there's, there's no positive road in that whatsoever. Things get worse, worse, worse to the point where he loses his jobs because he's just, yeah, he's either stoned or he's, you know, drunk all the time at work. Loses all his jobs, he ends up being homeless. By this stage, he has burned through the whole family, He's, you know, burned through grandma, burned all of her money, gone through parents, used up a lot of their money, used all his friends' money. He's homeless. He comes to us. Now, we are wonderful Christian people. <laughs> yeah, he's not Christian. He's not saved. But we are wonderful Christian people, so we take him in. Yeah, we're like, we'll do the right thing and we'll save him because that's what we can do. And three months later, he goes on a big drinking binge and just goes haywire in our house. Our kids are little and we're like, okay, we can't do this. We've loaned you all this money that we're never going to see back. Yeah. Um, we say, you've got to leave. Yeah, so he's packed his bag and he's walking down the street, homeless again. And Mark's dad, you know, there's drug dealers knocking on Mark's dad's door, wanting money, trying to break in, like chaos. Yeah, total chaos. You know, this has gone on and on and on and on. So virtually the whole family has washed their hands clean of him because they're saying yeah, he's too toxic, too much work, he's too self-destructive, um, you know, too dangerous. Mark's mum. Kaz, can you find Stephen on Facebook? I need to know where he is. I want to go give him some money. Try, try to contact him. I'm like, Mum, he's going to blow it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, she's holding on to hope. That little boy that she raised one day, that little boy that she knows who was kind and gentle and loving, that he's there. And I'm like, Mum, don't do it, Mum. You know, like, how much money has he owes you? He already owes you five grand, ten grand, whatever it is. No, no, but don't tell Dad. But she's still holding on to hope. She's still chasing after this little boy, yeah? So same thing, would find him, should give him some money, she'll meet him, don't tell anybody, everything's secret, yeah? But it's really hard. And so I want to share with you a story. Who has their Bibles? A few people, okay. If you've got your Bibles, to open up at Joshua. Can I just quickly share a testimony? This is what I tend to do, to go a little bit haywire. So Joshua chapter 2, while you're flicking to it. I want to share this testimony. There's a guy called Beckett Cook. Um, I normally don't carry my Bible because it's this. And um, normally I kind of do everything in the palm of my hand, which that's kind of where we are. How many people got their iPads or their phones? Most people, yeah. So anyway, convicted me. This guy, he's um, this massive guy in LA. So he's going like to, re he's at the Emmy Awards, he's at the Oscars, he's at Fashion Week. So he's this really high profile, I think he does set design or something. Um, and this one time he's at a cafe in LA and he's sitting there and all of a sudden he looks across and there's a group of young people with their Bibles. Now he says, I have never seen a Bible out in public other than at a Catholic church when I was little. So he'd never seen a Bible. So at first he goes, I was really upset. I'm like, who do these people think that they've got this Bible in this trendy cafe in LA? But he was intrigued. Why is this Bible there? What does it look like? Yeah, he was intrigued by the word of God. So anyway, he sees this Bible. He goes up to them. Like he's trying to eavesdrop. What are they talking about? Who are these guys? Eventually he goes up to them and goes, are you guys Christians? And they go, yes. And they go, is that a Bible? He goes, I've never seen one. So they go, yeah, this is a Bible. We're doing a Bible study. He goes, so what's it all about? Oh, dream, yeah, don't you want? What's it all about? Well, let us tell you. They tell him the gospel story. They invite him to church. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to go to church. All week, the spirit will not let him rest. All week, the spirit will not let him rest. Sunday morning, he, and he's, he's in a gay lifestyle. He's very, anyway, walks into um, that Sunday morning, wakes up. And goes, I think I'm going to church on his own. Goes to church, gets totally saved, delivered, set free. He's on fire for God. He's like this crazy guy who's like, he's been kicked out of Hollywood because of, anyway. But, you know, it's just amazing. It was just because someone had a Bible. Yeah, and I know it's convenient for us to have it in the palm of our hands. But I'm like, oh, you know, we, say, we take this so for granted, don't we? So I'm like, I'm going to start going to coffee shops and just 
hey, there's my Bible. <laughs> Can I carry my Bible? You just don't know. This guy was hungry. Imagine if those people, if those, he would, they would just think, oh, there's just a group of people having fun. It was the Bible that intrigued him. And less and less people, you don't see Bibles in our society anymore. You don't see them in bookshops anymore the way they used to. So we get to be... Yeah, the bearers of good news. So anyway, and then just pray for these opportunities. Okay, that's totally separate. Let's go to Joshua 2. Sorry. Oops. Um, Joshua chapter 2. Okay. We're going to actually... Is anyone a good reader? Who's a good... (coughs) Come on, Dab, sweetie. You can, it's okay. No, come and read my Bible. It's just to add a bit of flavour. Here we go. Read Joshua chapter 2. We're going to read the whole chapter. <laughs> can you read it? <laughs> then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there the night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she'd taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossing of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down, and all your family members, your father, your mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we'll accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way." I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed for three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the country hill and crossed the Jordan River and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Thank you. Yeah, such a good passage, hey? So I want to unpack this a little bit. So first of all, okay, Moses has died, Joshua has taken over, and now they're starting to come into the promised land, yeah, and they're starting to take a bit of ground, they're fighting against all these other, um, other cities, and... 
word is starting to spread that there's a God on their side who's doing amazing things and now Jericho, who is this fortified city, yeah, the people are trembling with fear. So this, so for, um, Jericho was, had actually double walls. So they had one wall and then they had another wall. So there's two walls of protection. The people in there, he says um, earlier on in, in the passage that they were actually, um, had, had harvested, they had their own um, water system running through Jericho. They had harvested all their wheat so they could potentially be locked up for a year, a couple of years. They didn't have to leave that place. Yeah, there was security in these walls. That we have these great walls. But they heard about these stories and now they're saying, hold on, you know, your God, um, we have heard the stories of how you've taken over these other lands, how you guys have part you've walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Yeah, so there's all these rumours and the people are panicking, they're with fear. Um, and I can imagine Rahab, you know, it's really strange because Joshua sends out these men, the two spies, and where do they go? They go to a prostitute's house. Yeah. If I was sending out people from our church, please don't go to the red light district. Don't go there. Yeah. And then I'm going, God, why would you care about her? Why would you save her? Yeah. Why would you? Because I'm sure there are other families. There are men and women with their children who love their kids. Like, why, why go to Rahab's place? Yeah. And then I don't know because scripture doesn't say, but I like to imagine, and God uses my imagination. And... Um, he says, you know why? Because nobody would fight for a prostitute. Yeah? Men will fight for their wives. Men will fight for their children. Guys will fight for their girlfriends. But nobody's going to care about a prostitute. No one's going to fight for her. But there is a God who does. And there is a God who will. And so I love that, yeah? So all of a sudden, I'm like, why would they go? Now, I don't know why they went there, you know, how that happened to be. But all of a sudden, the spies go to, to Rahab's house you know, place of business, I presume most, pro if you were a prostitute, you're normally disowned by your family, I would think most of them, especially back in those days, it's not a very, you know, um, you know, healthy profession to be, so it doesn't really hold up the family's reputation. Um, so she may have been an outcast from her family, I don't know, but there is a God who sees and there is a God who cares. And so um, the whole town is melt, you know, they're melting with fear, and then Rahab comes up, you know, she, she welcomes these men. And I can imagine her, she's probably looking out this window because now they're saying that her house is on the wall. Yeah, so these walls aren't like, we don't have any walls like that in Australia at all. I mean, we're talking they're two metres thick. They're, you know, really, really tall. And so her house is part, is actually built into part of the wall and you've got the, a window looking out. And so that's where she's, I can imagine she probably looks out, you know, oftentimes wondering what her life, Lord, is this? She doesn't believe in God, possibly, I don't know, but she's probably going, is this my life? Is this all I'm going to, who's going to marry? No one's going to marry a prostitute. So is this my livelihood for the rest of my life? This is what I'm going to be doing. Possibly, we don't know. But the story goes on that the two Israelites come and then she ends up um, hiding them at the roof. Yeah, she's really smart. But then there's something that happens inside of her. She says, hold on, I'm going to take advantage of this situation. They've come to my house, I'm going to take advantage. And she says to them, you know, don't forget that I have hidden you. Don't forget what I have done for you guys, for, for the two of you. Please spare me and my family. And so she goes out of her way to make something happen. I mean, they, she could have just given them lodging, hidden them and then said, you know, thank you for coming through and I'll help you escape and give me some money. She didn't need money. She needed hope. She needed something to hold on to. And so a covenant is made between them, the two spies, and with her. And it's, you need to drop this. We will be people of our word if you keep this rope of hope. Yeah. They gave her, she had a red scarlet cord. She lowered them out the window and says... If as long, and then they, t they tell her, as long as this rope is out your window, we will keep our covenant with you. And then the agreement was that you need to, whoever in your household comes into that room, into that house, that they will be spared. They will not be slaughtered and they, will not be, they won't be killed, yeah? Okay, could you imagine her now? She's got to go back to her family. You've got to come. 
Yeah, you've got to come into my house. Who has tried to convince their family? I, we couldn't. We had issues with our family of whether to get the jab or not. Yeah, <laughs> like hot contention in our family over that. Let alone like, come, you've got to come live with me because this is happening. These spies told me they don't. She doesn't know whether she can trust these spies. Yeah, they don't know. She has no idea. But there's this glimmer of hope, and so. There were no cell phones. They didn't tell her a plan. The spies didn't know the plan. So I can imagine every day she's probably looking out the window and there's this rope and she's thinking, when is my salvation coming? By now the doors are locked, yeah? They're getting, there's more fear. They've crossed the Jordan now. And so God, once again, he parts the sea. The Jordan River stops flowing so the Israelite army can go through on dry ground. Now they're, they're seeing, they're hearing these rumours. Oh my goodness, their God did it again. They're coming to attack us. The whole place is locked down. There's probably a sense of security in them going, well, we're in this fortified city. Yeah, she has no idea what's going to happen. All she knows, and I can imagine her, par- her family are probably going, when is this happening? How long are we going to... Remember lockdown? Yeah, we were locked. When are we getting out? When are we getting out? They were in lockdown, really. Her and her family were in lockdown and they didn't, they didn't know, is it going to be a week? Is it going to be... So just to give you... We, we don't know the time frame, but they're saying that all the Israelites had to be circumcised. Now, I presume it takes a little bit of a recovery for men to, after a circumcision, yeah? So there was 40,000 fighting men. So all these men had to be circumcised. They had to have the Passover. They needed some time to recover. So a little bit of time has passed. Now, praise God for supernatural healing. I believe that probably happened too. But nonetheless, it would have been a few weeks, a few months. Yeah? And she's waiting, waiting, waiting. Her family's in there. Rahab, do we trust you? Who are these guys? We don't believe you. And she's holding on to hope going, I don't know, but there's something. I know that, you know, these rumours of this God and I believe we've got to trust him. I'm holding on to my rope. It's a rope of hope. And, you know, there are times where she's thinking, shall I pull it back? Maybe I'll take it off the window. Yeah. There are t- and so there she's just standing there waiting and waiting and waiting. <sighs> Let me just, sorry, grab, go through my notes. And so sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes has God given you a promise and you've been holding on to hope? Yeah, and sometimes you, you were sure like me, 2020 was going to be an amazing year. <laughs> Breakthrough, promise, all the promises of God were going to come. Full of faith, full of hope. And then it started getting, the, you know, I'm... Um, so my rope was, the rope of hope was that long and all of a sudden 2020 started to do this. And I'm like, there's this little tiny rope of hope still out the window. It doesn't look very hopeful. And then sometimes you've got this great promise and things get worse. Has, ever, has it any time gotten worse? So now not only, you, I only had this much hope left, yeah? I only had that much hope left and now things have gotten even worse. You know, and unfortunately in the Christian life that sometimes happens, yeah, where things tend to get worse. And so I can imagine, so Ray, this is Rahab, yeah, so now she's like, okay, I'm putting my rope of hope and all of a sudden the Israelites have crossed the Jordan and now they're marching. They're marching around the city. Now, she's probably like what all of us do. We try to help God out and give him some really good suggestions. So she's probably, well, maybe the Israelites are going to come in the night. They're going to somehow climb up this wall. They're going to save me down this rope and my family are going to sneak out the window. That's how I would think God would do it, yeah? You know, like they're going to rescue us somehow. Um, And so these Israelites march around this Jericho once and that's it. And then she's waiting and the family's waiting. Like, are you sure? Yeah, 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 they said they're going to keep their word. Yeah? March around again. And so there's these six days of them marching once a day. Nothing's changing. The situation looks is actually getting worse. Her anxiety is getting worse. Her family are like, Rahab, you must be mad. You know, maybe we should be doing this. Maybe we should be getting ready to fight. Maybe we should be getting... You know, and she's like, no, they said... 
They said they were going to make a covenant with me. It's a rope of hope. I'm going to hold on to it. Yeah, please stay. And so there they are. And then things get even worse. Because on the seventh day, they're marching and marching and marching for hours. Yeah? They're marching because he says they marched seven times on the last day. So I presume it wasn't like a five-minute walk. So if, it, if in the other days it took an hour, an hour and a half, so now we're talking they're marching for ten hours. Imagine you just see these people marching for ten hours. My mum actually did that. This is totally side note. So let me go to this side. Let me tell you another story. So my mum, this works actually. So my mum, um, we had tenants when we were living overseas and we had drug dealer tenants who were growing marijuana on our roof. <laughs> right? Anyway, they stopped paying us. And um, my mum and dad saying, listen, they're not paying. We, you know, we're, we're missionaries overseas. We have no money. Um, you know, there's a mortgage on the house. My mum and dad are trying to help us out and they're paying part of the mortgage. So they're trying to kick this lady out with her son. They can't get her out. They're going through VK. If you've ever gone through VK, it's just one thing after another and something that should take two weeks or a month. All of a sudden, it's six months down the track and they cannot get rid of this tenant. And she hasn't paid and she keeps on, oh, you know, every time they go to VK, no, no, the money's coming in. So then the, the judge would give her another, you know, another three months. Eventually, my mum is beside herself. They've been paying our mortgage for nine months, yeah? My poor parents. And... Um, she doesn't know what to do. My mum reads this scripture. So she's like, I'm going to do that. So she goes and she marches around <laughs> our property, right? She starts marching. She starts praying. Now, this was a jewel. There was two units on this property. So my auntie's living in the second unit. And so the lady looks out the window and she goes, why is Paulina there? What's she doing? And my auntie says, I don't know, but they are Christians. And if they're marching around, it means something really bad's going to happen, right? <laughs> my auntie's not a Christian. She sort of believes. But she's like, they're Christians. And if they're marching, like something really bad is going to happen. If she's, you know, like, I don't know what she's doing, but something's going to happen to you. The lady moved out the next day. <laughs> oh, how amazing. Start marching, yeah? I'm like, <laughs> so I don't know what the lady believed, but hey, God was faithful, <laughs> That's a little side note. But um, so what's happening? So they're marching, yeah? You've got these, um, you've got the Israelites marching seven times, then these trumpets and the people start to shout and I can imagine everyone's already, you know, got a whole bunch of fear. And there is Rahab in the wall, in her house, and all of a sudden she would hear these walls come crumbling, crashing. Yeah, imagine when you hear like an earthquake, just, just these massive, huge walls crashing, crashing, crashing. She's inside this wall thinking, what? They were meant to come and save me. I can hear everything is crumbling around me. I can hear people screaming. I can hear the chaos. I can hear people dying. The walls are crumbling down. I'm living in a wall. Yeah? But God is faithful. She held on to her hope. Her rope of hope and hers was the only... Could you imagine? So all the tower, the word of God. Let's quickly turn to that. Six. I love it. Joshua 6. We're going to read this story just so you guys get it fully. Mel, come up here and you read it for me. Well, she came up, you know. Let me have a drink. Which verse? Um, we're reading the whole bit. The whole bit. Yeah, it's good. Right, I have to take it's my glasses good, yeah. off or I can't see. And I have to hold the book close. <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> okay. The whole chapter. It's oh, gigantic. <laughs> now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests... When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. 
So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark, with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that, at that time, Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho at the cost of his firstborn son, who will lay its foundation. At the cost of his younger son, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land. Yay. Oh, you read it. <laughs> Oh, amazing, isn't it? So she was spared and her, her mother and her father and her relatives, yeah, the spies kept the promise because she kept her rope of hope. She held on to hope, even though things started looking bleak, even though things started looking chaotic, even though things got worse. Yeah. In 1950s, there was some excavation done, um, in Jerusalem, and they actually have found, because they, they, they found these ruins and they said, oh, it was due to an earthquake. That's what they, they said, yeah, the archaeologists. But then they, they found a tower, a part of the wall that wasn't collapsed. I wonder whose house that was. Yeah. Now, the archaeologists go, well, that doesn't make sense, because if there's an earthquake, everything, you're not going to have one section that's going to remain intact. Yeah, but God... 
but God. So when things look chaotic, yeah, and it looks like the world is collapsing around us, yeah, and our hope, hold on, interest rates are going up. Ah, you know, job security is not there. My kids going, what's the point of going to school? Like, they're losing hope. We, ha- we live in a society that's losing hope. Yeah, we're losing our hope in our government. We're losing our hope in our families. We're losing our hope in the education. The healthcare system is all up, you know, ship creep, isn't it? It's just crazy, crazy. Ship creep, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but it's just crazy, yeah. So we, our hope is starting to dwindle. And that's where I was getting a little bit, my hope in the, oh, it's not as rosy as I used to see it. What's going on? But God has given me a rope of hope that says, my God can do the impossible. So when every other tower, every other family, every other job situation, every other church is struggling, every other business is struggling, I have a rope of hope. And with the things that God has said to me, they may look different. They may not have worked out the way I had, but Rahab would have loved another way of her salvation, I'm sure. She would have liked the guys to have climbed up rescued her a bit like a you know fairy tale up the tower rescued her down you know did some i don't know some covert operation no god had other plans god said i want to see if she still has uh, if she still is clinging on to hope when everything else is crumbling around her when i don't know did that take 10 minutes did it take 10 hours for those walls to come down i don't know did they come down as they were marching around as they were i don't know but God is our hope. And so as long as we're... And I'm going, how on earth do you live in this world without God? You know, in a God that can do... That that says, I can make all things work out for good. When things are going crazy... I mean, Mark shared last time when he was here about our daughter getting pregnant. Pastor's kid, so awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So awesome (laughs) to this dad that we don't know. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, Lord... You know, but God, and I kept on saying, but God, you said my children will be saved. Their partners are going to be saved. Yeah, we're going to have generational blessings on our family. I know that. I know. And so, and the word of God says that you will turn all things around for your glory. For those who love God. For those who are committed to God. We are committed to God. We love you, God. So I thank you that this is, that this is an amazing promise. Maybe not the way I expected, but it's okay. Yeah? We're going to love this little boy who's going to be the apple of our family and the apple of our eye because God is faithful. And so we, I hold on to hope all the time. I hold on to hope when the finances, yeah, don't look so good. Anyone that you're... God says you are going to prosper. And I'm like, mm, my bank account doesn't show that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm borrowing money off my kids. My kids are richer than me these days. What's going on? Yeah. But God, but God, and I'm holding on to the hope. I'm holding on to the hope. And so are you holding on to a hope for a different marriage? Yeah. A marriage that's born again marriage in, in Christ. I'm holding on to a marriage that's going to be strong and secure. Are you holding on to hope because you're going to have children that the Lord says are going to be saved? In the end, Mark's mum, oh, let me finish with the story. In the end, so Mark's mum is still chasing after Stephen. We're like, oh, lost cause, right? 2021, at the end of 2020, he's homeless, living on the streets, freezing, doesn't know what to do, has nowhere else to go. Burnt all his bridges. None of his friends want him. None of the family want him. Yeah, and so he's living on the streets. And he says, "I need to get my life sorted. I need to be, find shelter and food. I'm going to go to Teen Challenge, which is a drug rehab place." He ends up going to Teen Challenge, gets saved. Yeah, because that's what God does. Gets saved. Guess what? He's now living back at home, looking after my, my in-laws who are elderly. Yeah, he's cooking for them. He's cleaning for them. He's like, you know, his dad who said, he, he's uh, cutting him off. He's not getting nothing. And Mark's mum was holding on to hope. No, because I know. And now the son that she had for 20 years prayed for him, believed that one day he'll return. He has. Yeah, he has. Amazing testimony. Amazing testimony. And yet, so there is, and she was holding on to this hope when nobody else would. Even me, I'm like, Mum, like, 
how many times do you have to get burned by this kid? How much money does he have to steal from you guys? But hope. Because she knew that she was holding on to this rope of hope. And so if you need to hold on to a rope of hope because the doctors have given you a diagnosis, yeah, because the money doesn't look good, because your kids, because, I don't know, your business, business is not going as well as it did, yeah, there's, God can do absolutely anything yeah. as long as, but he needs us to partner. Imagine if Rahab said, now I'm freaking out, I'm taking this rope out of my window, and how many times have we just pulled, you know, we've waited and waited and waited and we're like, okay, now I'm in my 50s, now I'm in my 60s and this ain't happening. I've waited, God, you said, and I've waited five years, I've waited 10 years, I've waited 15 years, I've waited 20 years. And then we get, we're going, well maybe, well, maybe I didn't hear correctly, maybe it's not true, and we take it out. And then it's that next yeah, we just pull out just too soon. And so there's a, a verse I want to finish off with and it's in Romans 5.13 and it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with certain hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a powerful verse, yeah? There's no, with Rahab, her hope was not in the rope. That was just a representation of a promise and an oath. Her hope was not in, in some magical power. Oh, if I put, you know, and so what, t what we tend to do, I'm going to, you know, I need a piece of that rope because it's magical. It's not. Our hope is in God. And we have a rope of hope that was extended to us and it was covered in blood. Yeah, in the blood of Jesus. And he says, if you accept me, a rope that is stained in the blood of Jesus, and you hold on to it, nothing will be impossible. I will come through for you. I will fight for you. Just like God fought for the prostitute. Yeah, I will fight for you. I will fight for your family. But you've got to hold on to that rope. With saying Jesus over every situation. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, because he's our rope. And so if you do not know, if you do not have this hope that is found in Jesus, how on earth are you living? What are you holding on for? Where is your hope? Yeah, today you have an opportunity to meet him, to hold on to that rope that will never, ever let you down, that will have your back. You know, do bad things happen? Yes. Do things go backwards sometimes? Yes. I wish they didn't, but they do. But there's this rope of hope that says that doesn't matter how bleak things can get. My hope is in the Lord. I saw, um, as many of you guys know, Benny Johnson passed away last week, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw, there was a photo of her and she's um, really on her deathbed, yeah, and she's surrounded by her families. And she looks nothing like her, herself, yeah? She's very, very skinny. Cancer has ravaged her body, you know? She, she doesn't look... And you see Bill worshipping with his hand, yeah? And um, so he's holding his wife's hand, who's passing away, and she looks frail, and she looks nothing like she does, and he's worshipping God, saying, because my hope is in the Lord. My hope that he is a God that we're going to turn all things around, even in this situation, even in death, even in loss. Yeah? Mel, I always come good. Is in that bag. See that little black bag? I've got ropes of hope. Do you want to go hand one out to everyone? <laughs> and if not, we'll cut this one up. So this is a reminder. Put it somewhere. When hope is lost, if you are struggling with hope and your hope level is not at a nine, because we are Christians, yeah? We are children of the most high living God. We have hope all the time. And it says our hope is an anchor for the soul. It is sure, it is secure, it does not waver. But sometimes we are a little bit stupid and sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget. 
We forget the miracles. We forget the goodness of God. We forget his promises. And so this is just a little visual thing. Hang it on your, I don't know, at work, at, on your car. You know, on the little... So they'll hang it somewhere. So when there are times that you're going, my hope is starting to waver. I'm not a nine anymore. I'm a four. I'm a three. That you can say, but I'm going to hold on to the rope of hope. Because that is who God is. Yeah. And so I know that sometimes when it comes to hope, sometimes we get that hope by listening to other people, other testimonies. Sometimes we just need somebody to come alongside us and pray with us and say, my hope is at a three. (laughs) So can you just stand with me and then just pray for me that, you know, that my hope can begin to arise. And so this morning, my hope's pretty up there. Andrew, how's your hope today? Here's, yep. Okay, good. So we are people of hope, yeah? That even though these other crazy things are happening in our state, um, if you need, if you feel that your hope has been wavered, they've had that. And you know what happens, what, how we get out as... Um, our hope gets stolen, is because we've had a few too many bashings. Yeah, <laughs> a few too many bashings. Yeah, and that's what happened to me, because I was always optimistic. I was always, yay, my favourite colour is yellow. I'm bright and chirpy. And all of a sudden, Mark's like, what's going on with you? That's not you. I'm like, I don't know. I'm crying and I never cry. I'm doing an Andrew. <laughs> I'm doing a Mark and I don't cry, you know. Because eventually... It's just a chipping away. And then God says, come on, girl. Come on. Enough of this feeling sorry for yourself. Enough of, oh, things aren't so good. (laughs) Yeah, going, where's your rope? Grab that rope of hope. Hold on to it. Don't let go. It may only be at the very end of it, but you've still got a grip on it. Start pulling it back. Start holding on to it. Holding on to it tight. And so that's what I want to encourage you this morning. If you need prayer and you want me to come and, you know, Mel and Andrew and whoever else, you know, that we just, well, let's pray for hope to arise. Because if we do not have hope, what on earth is out there? Yeah? If we are people who don't have hope, oh, my goodness, what can we offer the world? More misery, more hard times, more lockdowns. No, we have hope that, you know, things can turn around. We have hope that your marriage can be restored, that your kids will walk in the favour, that your business will take off, yeah, that your studies, that you'll breeze through your studies, that it's not going to be toilsome, that the, that house will sell, that that land will make a profit, yeah, that, that your health will be restored, that COVID's not... I, I haven't had COVID. Oh. Right? I know. One of the few people. So, anyway, but I'm not fearful. So, if you've got COVID, whatever, I don't care because I have declared in my bathroom, this is a COVID-free zone. This is a COVID-free zone. And so, there are people who are there. Oh, I've had COVID. You've got to test. I test. I'm like, God, I said this was a COVID-free zone. Comes back a negative. Yay! You know, every time I get a symptom, COVID-free zone. Yeah? Because I'm a person of hope. I'm like, I don't have to bow down to what everybody else, but everyone else has had it. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care if everybody else has had it because I'm a person of hope. I know what the Lord has said. I know what I have declared in my bathroom. And, every, and I put it there because I, every time I go there, yep, COVID-free zone, COVID-free zone. I've been reminding myself every day. So hold on to your hope, your rope of hope. Stick it somewhere where you're going to see it. So when, it's wa- when you're wavering, it's there. So... Let me, do you guys have a song? I don't know how to end. If not, let's just pray. And I'm happy to pray and speak into it. Yeah, do whatever you want. Let's do this. Worship team, please. Can everyone stand? Would that be all right? Can we um, play Abide? Even in the darkness. Is that the song? Yeah, or Fortress, sorry. Fortress.